0: The House of Learning podcast produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburrow and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland.
1: Today, Dominic returns to the podcast and we talk about his new book, All About Longing. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's Richard here, and hailing from afar, returning from the past, it is Sir Dominic of Bone. He's That's back. The
2: prodigal the prodigal <laughs> come home. Yeah. So how are you doing? Doing really well. Uh, it's so good first of all to to reconnect with you Richard and to the people who are listening to this and one one small thing to note is that I will be there I'm not sure when this will be airing but I'll be there tomorrow so yeah oh brilliant okay so I'll be uh, speaking at Westside May 22nd and uh, get to reconnect but we are we are doing well we are here in in Colorado for the time being. And over the last season, I've been focusing on launching our nonprofit, which is called Pursuing Faith. Um, Which if you haven't heard of that,
1: there's going to be a link in the notes. Okay.
2: Yeah. Brilliant. Um, And yeah, so everything that is associated with that, (laughs) meetings, back-end stuff, um, doing a lot of writing and and speaking uh, in recent days. And
1: uh, because when you left, when you left, yep. it was like this baby fledgling. Yes, ministry. It was, you know, it was like a, a twinkling in the eye. You know. Yes. Um, yes.
2: I, it's a yes. It was a twinkling in the eye. It was an idea. It yeah. was a you know a, a germ of a of a thought. Um, well, more than that. It, at that point, it was an official nonprofit. But you know, there's a lot yeah. to do to actually yeah. get something up and running. And there's so I would say systems
1: and all. So so what some of the, like what absolutely. some of the questions and issues you've been able to. Begin speaking to and get involved Mm -hmm. with conversations you can participate in that have excited you now with a year of pursuing faith.
2: Yes. Um, Well, so the ministry is focused on helping people navigate seasons of doubt and deconstruction towards a flourishing faith. And so there are kind of two elements to this. On one side, a lot of the speaking, I'd say especially towards the tail end of last year, beginning of this year, has had to do more in the apologetics realm and uh, talking about the specific issues that are fueling this current deconstruction movement that is sweeping our nation right now. As I know you're aware, um, it's really taken off, I'd say, over the last year, uh, even more over the last six months, where it's actually become a movement uh, in our nation where it is now extremely trendy uh, to deconstruct. There's a lot of people who are hurting. There's a lot of grief that's been built up over the years, a lot of distrust of institutions, of churches, a number of reasons that are fueling this current moment. And so part of our ministry is speaking into those very specific things. We're also doing a lot of behind-the-scenes discipleship walking with people through their seasons of deconstruction and reconstruction. A lot of work with parents actually, whose uh, teenagers are deconstructing, leaving the faith, leaving the church. So there's that element, the apologetic side of things. Um, And then there's also the spiritual formation, soul side of things, because I believe one of the best responses to deconstruction in the moment we're in is not just tackling it from an apologetic perspective, which the church has done a decent job over the years. I think we've maybe missed a little bit on a theology of doubt side of things, and we've we've yes. spoken into that um but the the formation part, I think one of the best ways to help heal the soul that's been traumatized through doubt or deconstruction is how do we lean into having a soul that's flourishing that's vibrant that's alive how do we do some work in preparation for the inevitable seasons of doubt that will assail our souls (laughs) and so it's kind of a two two two-edged thing where half of the ministry is doubt apologetics deconstruction that type of work the other part is on the flourishing soul formation part and Uh, So the first book I wrote was on doubt. This next one coming out is on the soul. Yeah. So they kind
1: of flip flip
2: sides to the same coin. Flip sides to the same coin. And um, I tell you, talking about the the soul and talking about flourishing uh, is – it's for me it's been a deeply refreshing thing and writing and exploring this topic whereas the first one was you're dealing with these extremely difficult issues the problem of evil and suffering and how can i trust scripture and why is god silent and whereas now as we're really engaging in the life of the soul uh, for me personally it's been just a deeply refreshing season so all that's to say is we're doing well we miss everyone uh terribly uh, back back in portland and uh excited to come back and visit next month that's cool i
1: i can't even remember how long ago it was cuz we've talked about it several times but i remember we did, we did talk on a podcast about this kind of theology of doubt and mm-hmm. how uh sometimes doubters and deconstructors are actually worth listening to mm-hmm. because they actually have really good questions like they're asking yes. the right questions and the church sometimes, what's causing people to kind of decolonize and move away is um, mm-hmm. is is not so much that God doesn't and the Bible doesn't have an answer, but mm-hmm. that the church just doesn't want to have the conversation. Um, yeah, we idolized I mean, certainty,
2: you know, over wrestling oh yeah. with God and over yeah. trust, um, and it's simply just not how Jesus led. It's not how Jesus formed souls. Um, yeah. Jesus led through. Asking questions. Do do you love me? Um, who do you say I am? Uh, what do you want? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. a good question. The first yeah. question of the Gospel of John, because questions force us to open up within our yeah. own assumptions. Questions yeah. they cause us to engage with the longings of our soul, and it's how we grow. It's it's why the the scriptures are built on this notion of wrestling with God. It's why the nation of Israel is called Israel. Rest those who wrestle. As Jacob yeah. did, and had his name changed, and also walked with a limp. <laughs> Following that, because yeah. I, I think faith is the art of, of learning to, to walk with a limp. Um, as you know, Lewis said, "I now know, Lord, why you utter no answer. You are yourself the answer," and, yeah. and that's that's where intimacy and trust is, is born in that space. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. So. It's interesting. I'm just thinking, like how the world's gone through a lot since last time we talked about it on the podcast. It's probably mm-hmm. over a year ago, uh, maybe close to two years ago, because it was probably mm-hmm. around the time of your last book, actually. It's long, quite a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And for doubt and deconstruction now, and you you said it a moment ago, you know, there's questions, but there's also pain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and yeah. I think, and, and that was always a part of the equation, but I think now, that deconstruction has become a movement that is very vocal and points mm-hmm. at the, the abuses of power, the things that cause pain, the failures, the things that have broken down trust. Mm-hmm. I think people watching the conversation probably have a greater awareness now of how much of a factor pain is in these twists mm-hmm. in people's journey as well. So I'm just interested you've been in the thick of it like what you've been learning about how to interact with people when Mm -hmm. it's not just that they're saying i've actually got an honest question like i'm interested i've got a doubt because i've got a i've got a question i don't know the answer to but you have also got people who maybe have a lot of hurt and and it's a lot of hurt that relates to their experience of God, their experience of church, their experience Mm -hmm. of other Christians, you know, like some of these things has that sort of, well, it must've done uh, like in some way, you know, you have be, as you, as that's come to the foreground in the conversation, like what have you noticed about how to react to that side of things now as well? Yeah, that's
2: a, that's a beautifully put question. I think you're putting your finger on something which needs to be, Discussed, And that is behind every doubt, behind deconstruction, which by the way, this would probably be another conversation. I think one should distinguish between healthy doubt and a cultural form of deconstruction. Yeah, But the majority of the time behind the scenes is hurt. Um, there's something happened when they were a kid. Uh, they were disillusioned by something they saw in a church. Um, they witnessed something that traumatized them. You know the, the New York Times. They wrote a, a few months ago an article that really caught my eye, and I think captures where we're at so brilliantly. But they, they described our emotional state as languishing. The, the mm-hmm. fascinating word, because you know, languishing. If you look it up, it's a feeling of stagnation and emptiness. It's this unshakable sense that you're merely surviving instead of thriving. Um, you oh, probably remember the, the the German word um, unheimlich. Or you know yeah. this, this is where you get into. If ever there was Heidegger, a word for
1: the last couple yeah. of years, surviving right. and not thriving, my that, goodness, that, that's it. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, remember Heidegger? He he
2: spoke of that that sense of what he called not being at home, um, the the restlessness that comes from a, a place of being lonely or adrift around out of place. And I, uh, reading that, I'm like, that's it. That that's where we're at as a nation is there is a sense of languish, lostness, pent-up grief that everyone's trying to process. And it's a it's a problem, I think, of the soul. Uh, We're we're in a space right now where our souls are weary. Um, Mm. And that manifests as in, in so many ways, the symptoms of negative thinking, restlessness, abrupt changes an emotion, an underlying sense of anxiety, disconnection from others, indifference, lack of aspiration, I mean, burnout, uh, on and on. Um, and and you just seeing this bubble up everywhere. So many conversations I have with people, I ask how they're doing, and the, the single word is exhausted. Right? Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. exhaustion, it's languishing, it's our, our inner self is, is wounded and we're searching, seeking ways that we can be made whole again. And, and this is where I think there's a tremendous apologetic moment, an opportunity for the church, for us as followers of Jesus to engage with longing, uh, to engage with languishing. Because behind every languish is actually a heart, a soul that's longing for God. Um, in fact, if you look at the Latin word uh, for languish, um, it's, it's interesting. It, it comes from this word uh, to make whole. Um, and also this sense, Shakespeare, he spoke of this, a sense of a desire for one you love. Um, mm-hmm. And I think behind every soul that's languishing, behind every hurting person sitting in the pew, behind every story of deconstruction, uh, behind every person that should be following Jesus, but isn't this the sense of languishing and lostness. But the deeper, the deeper issue is a longing, a longing for the, the presence of God, a longing to know him, uh, a longing to be reconnected to him. Um, yeah. yeah. So th- that's where my, my headspace has been lately. How do we engage this apologetic moment? How do we, how do we, understand and interact with the longings of of people's hearts because languish it isn't just the absence of emotion it's the presence of longing it's the ache of lovers right it's the sigh of weary travelers who who yearn for home and uh this is where we can point people to the only one who promised rest for our souls
1: yeah there's like a a god-given holy discontent Mm -hmm. with living the wrong way living the wrong Mm -hmm. life it's really interesting what you say because i i think some of the pain we can be aware of most clearly in these conversations with deconstruction is like oh that abusive failure of the church Mm -hmm. has burned your ability to trust a religious organization Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very specific Mm -hmm. pain but actually what you seem to be talking a bit more about is actually a more general sense of pain of like, Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. I'm, I mean, you you talked about uh, that desire to be whole, like I'm living a disintegrated Mm -hmm. life is like other Mm -hmm. language people use. Um, and just, just the feeling like that unnerving feeling that something's not right Mm -hmm. uh, and and i i bump into this i mean goodness i i do it myself i've done it myself you know i'm not immune to this of in the confusion of those moments it's really easy and it's a it's actually quite a a good desire to think well i want to go do something different to see if it's better over there Mm -hmm. you know to to not just think well i'll stubbornly just keep going the same way Mm -hmm. but to desire to change something and Mm -hmm. so the desire to change is a good thing Mm -hmm. but i think we're in a season where that desire for change and and maybe it's the depth and extent and scope of pain throughout covid and and the way the world's changed the conversations the world has has had these last few years um that desire maybe manifest as something like i want radical change
2: Mm -hmm.
1: i I won't just change some of my spiritual habits i'll change completely my direction or something you know Mm -hmm. Um,
2: yeah because we're we're all seeking a way to bring a rest to our soul and until we diagnose what is actually happening in the deeper recesses of ourself yeah um, and allow the spirit to expose and reveal and heal that then we will try other means to, to try and satisfy that, whether it's, as you said, you know, abrupt changes or other symptomatic things. But you know, I might, as you were sharing, my my mind goes to Psalm 23, where David he's in a season of languish, as New York Times puts it. He's in a time of restlessness and. Yet in there, he says, you restore my soul, my, my nefesh is the word in Hebrew, the deepest part of you that yearns to connect with God. And that, that phrase there, you restore my soul, um, can be literally translated as you will return my breath to me. Because the word soul is connected uh, to the word nefesh. So you have nefesh, which is soul, nefesh, which has the idea of breathing. Um, It's why it's why you see in the book of Genesis when God created male and female, He breathed into them ruach, right? The spirit breathes into them, and they became a living soul. And that word "living" is this beautiful image of a flower that's blossoming and beauty and color and vibrancy. And so God's intention for human from the very beginning was our souls to thrive, our souls to flourish, our souls to be. Connected to him. And as David is navigating a season where he's feeling breathless and weary and broken, he, he says, Lord, you will return my breath to me. And how does that happen? It, it comes through uh, intimacy with God and closeness to God. Um, and it comes through identifying again our, our longings that our truest self is screaming for air. We're desperate to break through the surface of a shallow, hurried uh, life and and to inhale grace uh yeah to come alive again
1: yeah yeah i mean you you mentioned one psalm and it makes me think of another one and there's a reason actually because the psalms are full of mm-hmm. people wrestling with these issues but i was thinking of psalm 77 and it's a kind of psalm of two halves you have the kind of lament at the start of like oh my goodness like what's going on things are not what they once were like everything just is dead and like what you know and the frustration but then the answer is it's like uh, not trying to get out of it but trying to find hope in the midst of it is i need Mm -hmm. to remember like god does show up god does work god does lead. like that's the kind of god god is Mm -hmm. rather than thinking well I can't wait for God to show up. I can't wait for God to lead. I can't wait for God to work. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Madison to my own hands. Mm. And it, it's a, it's a beautiful Psalm of this reminder of, uh, I don't know, see actually this state causing us to actually seek God, to go mm. pursue God, which is interesting. You know, your, your book was called, you know, this idea of uh, pursuing faith. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you're not just stumbling upon it <laughs> or not having someone mm-hmm. bash you over the head with it You <laughs> it's right there's, there's some internal connection where like angst is reaching out seeking a god who will answer not trying yeah. to just construct its own answers um, so yeah that's that's another psalm that kind of and, and that's the interesting thing uh, and a beautiful thing right now that where our culture is is that the psalms are so full and so rich of people in really similar circumstances you know what felt like pivotal moments in life or in history um where, where hope was hard to come by because they'd changed the world had changed you know they felt mm. that disorientation um mm. yes it's so interesting yeah, you're
2: right. And the psalms, they do. I mean, Walter Brueggemann, the Old Testament scholar, he he does talk about how there's are soul there's different forms of psalms. There's the psalms of orientation, where your faith seems vibrant and strong. Uh, there's psalms of disorientation, where the world seems to be falling apart and you are too. Um, and then there's the psalms of reorientation, and this yeah. is where it's reconstruction in a sense, right? Uh, where we we come back. To home but home looks a little different because yeah. maybe we've changed a little bit uh, our, our perspective is, yeah. is different
1: and, um, and there's wisdom in that like right now mm-hmm. the world's changed we've changed yeah. and if we just think that trying to be who we were and do what used to work is going to be mm-hmm. a flourishing life we're kidding ourselves we're yeah. probably living in a bubble and, and eventually it's going to pop Enough has changed that we ought, if we're wise, to be thinking, oh, I'm probably going to have to adapt and and mm. not like, you know, oh, I think I'll be a Hindu. <laughs> not that sort of adapt. <laughs> but I, I just mean like the, like the way you breathe in and out in your soul, yeah. in your emotions, in your thoughts, the kind of interaction with God and with truth and with community that actually yeah. allows things to flourish. Is probably mm. going to look a little different. So everyone ought to be on this journey of some sort of reconstruction. Mm. Uh, it, it, in some ways, it's just called growing. You know. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the, the idea of flourishing is is deeply connected uh, to to this idea of flourishing, uh, or to to this idea of growth. Um, and and you compare that notion of what it means actually flourish and grow and. Be vibrant and alive and be connected to the breath of God, the life of God. How different that is from modern notions of of flourishing, which is much more about the Mm. external circumstances.
1: Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, our culture measures flourishing by how secure you feel because of your bank account or (laughs) getting your mortgage payment down. Or, yeah, it is to do with measurable, tangible, circumstantial things rather Mm -hmm. than trajectory things because trajectory yeah. things involve your circumstances but they transcend your yeah. circumstances as well right they, they define yeah, yeah, the narrative right. and journey not just what you can see in your immediate context
2: yeah it's true i mean you know for most people if you ask what does it mean to flourish and it's actually a word that is gaining some traction right now in the secular yeah, thank states. you to aristotle and- I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 yeah, eudemia, <laughs> I believe you called it, right? Yeah. The good life. Um, and, and that's how people look at it. Achievements, material success, a business is flourishing if it's raking in profits, yeah. a social media account's flourishing, if it yeah. has a ton of followers <laughs> or engagements, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Or positive psychology, Who you go back and, and look at that whole field of, of research, and they, they said it always hinged on these five attributes of favorable emotions engagement relationships meaning accomplishments but by that definition it's essentially a follow your bliss cliche right it's contingent on rosy circumstances but when the bible talks about flourishing and when jesus says come to me and out of your innermost being will gush forth torrents of living water or when psalm one describes a tree that's flourishing uh, it's rarely referring to accomplishments possessions sappy optimism it's talking about an inner virtue that grows despite how successful or difficult life may be yes um that, that's, that's why you come across the these are
1: just uh, they're an overflow right of those things yeah yeah even the word define. blessing that's yeah that's a
2: fascinating word because it's deeply connected uh <laughs> to the word flourishing it's the word that that jesus used in the sermon on the mount blessed are the meek blessed are the persecuted. Well, that's not exactly modern uh, conceptions of the flourishing life. Right.
1: Right? They're,
2: they're not typically boxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so, so the, the Bible takes this idea of flourishing, completely flips it on its head and reveals that we can discover the beauty of God, the presence of God, the breath of God in the midst of the struggle, in the mm. midst of the heartache. It's why languishing at one level is a brilliant description of where we're at, but the deeper description is longing, right? Yes, it's, it's, it's why I called in the book "Your Longing Has a Name." Mm. What is it? What it? What are we longing for? What are we yeah. yearning for? It's to be reconnected
1: with our Creator. And you just used another key word, which I love, talking about beauty, because in mm. some ways the world's ways of grabbing it, like. The, the like the recognition the finances the relationships the influence the power all these things is a fight to somehow accrue value because mm. there's something deep seated within us where we feel like we ought to be valuable and ought to be valued and it's actually part of god's design for humanness and mm. and you know and it's an interesting relationship where uh some of our values some of our flourishing is rooted in the identity that is actually given to us by god yeah but some of it also relates to how the value i I don't know leaning into becoming uh, in our brokenness and sin reconstructing the blueprint of the of the truly valuable beautiful life Um, i love that yeah
2: yeah. and there's a sense of Becoming who you were created to be. Um, Yes. One of the things I've been thinking through in this last season is the notion of of living without walls. Um, Parker Palmer, um, he's the one who first kind of gave me this concept that I just begin to dig into and and process a bit. But he talks about this notion of, you know, when we're younger, um, what you see is what you get. Right. Um, If a child's upset, they let the world know if they're hungry. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're not going to sugarcoat it. But I in time, mind. we learn to to construct walls. We we learn how to fake it. We learn how to uh, put on the mask. And there can be a separation between our soul and our role, <laughs> um, where our soul is yearning for one expression. Our soul is desiring to be true to who God has has called us to be but our role doesn't permit it um, yeah. because we are so used to faking it. We're so used to pretending it. I think part of the maturing flourishing process is learning to engage with those difficult questions of, is there a disconnect between my soul and role? Is there a way that I'm, I'm living with these walls that I've constructed and, and for some, some it's, it's defensive. It's because we've gone through something it's understandable. Um, but again, if we are to flourish there has to be a a willingness to understand who God has called us to be and a willingness to recognize some of the walls that are in our life. And that can take years.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and slowly peeling back the armor <laughs> yeah. to yeah. to allow there to be a synergy and uh between what God has actually called us to be um, versus what the expectations that we've placed on ourselves that are unhealthy.
1: Yeah. And I I love putting that under the umbrella of who God's made you to be. Mm Because it's very Genesis three, you know, like uh, once sin and deception enter, you know, Adam and Mm -hmm. Eve are self-deceived. They deceive each other. They try and deceive God. You know, like the masks and walls fly up really quickly. But Mm -hmm. then God's invitation is not to construct some sense of real self, but Mm -hmm. to actually take the masks down and be able to discover the true self, which actually backs a lot of pressure off, right? It's Mm -hmm. not just on us. And actually it's there, you know, and and it's there to be discovered. And that puts the whole journey in the realm of adventure and exploration rather Mm than, you know, the pressure on you is to kind of come up with value, come up with beauty, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, which... I don't know if everyone will feel the same way as me, but that it it sounds a lot better to know that within me lives like something actually like if the masks all come down, there's something beautiful there mm-hmm. but it but it yeah. needs, it needs discovering rather That's than, right. you know, I need to take the masks down and I'll be left with a blank canvas. And then I just have to choose what my real self is going to be. You know and and mm. i fear i would be constantly reinventing myself you know
2: yeah yeah that's that, like, that in some ways by, the yeah. world's
1: world's version of this
2: yeah i think of uh, that ancient mystic uh, saint teresa of avila
1: oh brilliant she yeah. once said
2: that almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of, of self-knowledge right yeah um and I mean David in the Book of Psalms he talks about the concept of being pure, created me a pure heart. And the word pure, holy, just means whole. He's yearning for wholeness because every soul yearns to be whole. It's uh, like that Hasidic tale of the rabbi called uh, Zuzia. And he as an old man he was reflecting on his life, and he once made this comment. He said, In the coming world, they will not ask me. Why were you not Moses? They will ask me. Why were you not Zuzia? <laughs> and that's uh, that's really really insightful because so often we try and curate our life around what we think others want us to be or what we're pretending to be or what our broken self is is yearning to become. But really, the flourishing soul is one that has learned to connect with. Oh, lord this is who you've made me to be this this is it's Kierkegaard's notion of freedom right it's yeah. its it comes through intimacy with god self-awareness and then a willingness to obey and yeah. through the power of the spirit bring yeah. virtue into the world
1: and it's interesting like it does require an externalization you you can't and I mean, we could do an Aristotle podcast here, but, you know, Mm -hmm. loads of philosophers, loads of thinkers, loads of theologians have argued you can't discover your real self by just kind of contemplating, you know, just gazing at your navel and and hoping you somehow have a realisation. In in our brokenness, in our maskedness, we do actually require others to help us realise our true self. And and we and we can use other humans but they're all wearing masks too so success will be limited so we we need to add this layer of like god who who wears no masks you know Mm. and yes
2: the the god who doesn't live (laughs) without walls Um, yeah and it's that process it, it is hard i mean it's hard coming face to face with what's broken our failures our guilt the ways we've lived a divided life it's hard to acknowledge how we've spent years perhaps fighting the wrong battles or fixated on the wrong goals it's hard to make necessary changes or to tear the walls down Uh, or as David had to uh, when he's encountering Goliath set the armor down it's hard to, to hard to to step into that realm and that level of authenticity yes. yeah. but it's the only way our soul can flourish i mean it's right. the only way we can be
1: free because the the
2: there's freedom
1: yeah and, mm-hmm. I, and i love that god throughout scripture consistently acknowledges that he never yeah. says oh you idiots why don't you just turn around let it go and and become he, he knows it's a fight and it's a battle and there's a wrestling mm-hmm. you know um and there's a time ton- and God has grace for us. Yes. It? And yeah.
2: there's, there's possibility. That's the amazing thing is, uh, God gives us freedom, um, yeah. to, in a sense, form the construct, the architecture of our, of our soul. Right. Uh, yeah. Emily Dickinson, the poet, she said, we dwell in possibility. Um, and that's frightening, but it's also mm-hmm. it's also beautiful in the sense that your unfolding story uh, is more than the boxes people put you in you're changing people yep. may people may define and confine you because it fits a narrative but yeah. god says you're free um you're more than a note you're an evolving symphony right mm. this idea of newness uh becoming it, it is so much a part of what it means to be a disciple and yeah as we grow and learn and flourish um i think we're adapting to where we're at culturally but we're also leaning forward into new creation because because god's spirit always leads leans yeah. into the new
1: yeah i think the, the words you used in the middle there i think is something that people can relate so strongly to that it's an offer to to live and, well i guess to escape living in a way that you're constantly being put in a box by broken people yeah. around you. Yeah. Like that sounds like a very, very good thing, you know, so let's, let's talk. So the book's called your longing has a name and it's out in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. And if you are worrying, you're going to forget that. Don't worry. I'll put an Amazon link in the notes. Um, so this longing we've talked mm-hmm. about, and it, you know, if we want to kind of let it out to Rome, And acknowledge it, and be like, "Yeah, I've I've got like I've got that." So then the book has a lot to do with how you can help let that longing loose in a way that's actually going to help the longing discover flourishing. So -hmm. what's some of the stuff? I you know you don't have to like give the whole game away, (laughs) but what are some of the highlights of like things you've discovered about how to allow longing to go on a good journey?
2: Oh, so I love the word journey there, Richard, because um, that's what I hope to do in the book is take people on a journey to engage with their longings, to identify the broken places of our soul, but then to step forward into this life of flourishing that God has promised us. And um, I orient the book around Peter's words in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, where there is a list of virtues, right? But it, it's not an Aristotle version of uh, virtues, but rather it's a, a deeply formative uh, set of invitations that God gives us. I, I wouldn't. They're practices, they're disciplines in a sense, but I think it's more than that. They're gifts given to us by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And these seven gifts, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love, um interestingly by the way side note correspond with the seven deadly sins
1: <laughs> um, yes which, you and i talked we, about this you almost did a sermon yeah. series on this yes we were oh. both so excited for it's, yeah.
2: a, it's a really fascinating i mean you look at goodness and how that corresponds with greed or knowledge and pride self-control versus yeah. gluttony perseverance versus sloth um anyway uh, in, in fact i i discovered that the fifth century poet um I think his name was he actually wrote a poem describing a battle um a war between the seven deadly sins and the seven virtues oh Uh, he called it the 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 psychomachia which means the battle of spirits or interestingly soul war um so we're in a war for our souls it's why Jesus said you know, encourage us to pay attention to the inner life, the structure of our soul. It's why the Bible constantly urges us to tend to our souls like you would a garden. Um, but there are ways to flourish. There are gifts given to us by the spirit, those seven virtues. And what I do in the book is walk the reader through those seven virtues that Peter offers us, that he himself experienced in his own life as a roadmap towards the flourishing life mm.
1: that's awesome and I, I i can't remember whether you mentioned this before we press record or whether you mentioned it already but you mentioned earlier and it really relates to that passage in first peter which talks about the kind of layering of adding things to our soul
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know d- and it's says sort of a developmental but it's a it's a it, there's a structure to it. There's an interconnectedness between these different yeah. aspects of a healthy soul, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting to me. And you know, as I get older, I see it in myself. You know, you just live a bit more life. You get to observe a bit more life, uh, mm-hmm. and see it in others, where you know people can pursue trying to grow in something. Yeah. Uh, with all the intention in the world, but the thing that inhibits them is some part of their soul is is kind of stuck mm. and anchored in something that that's broken. And actually, yeah. it's part of the ingredient for the next step of growth somewhere else, mm. which is a sort of interesting. We we love a linear, simple process to achieve things because we're so right. mind bogglingly <laughs> driven by 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 measuring our lives by succeeding goals you know but actually yeah. it's God paints a much richer more complicated picture of interdependence and some of this stuff it's not just within us it leaches out into our relationships with God relationships with others relationships with his mission um yeah it's just It's interesting because at one level, if we don't let go of our culture that Mm -hmm. likes to compartmentalize things, to try to help us feel like we have more control and can therefore achieve more, we will find God's picture of things daunting. Hmm. But actually, if we allow that, that sense of an adventurous journey of exploration to be the culture we step into, then actually instead of daunting it looks like a more beautiful richer playground to go explore
2: mm, that's so good and the journey <laughs> begins in this life but something i've been pondering lately too is you know when peter says as you mentioned make every effort add these things to your faith and each one yeah. builds upon the other um it, it's not just for for this life's sake
1: mm-hmm. but
2: also the life to come i I've, I've been thinking how that passage in Second Peter isn't just a liturgy of the soul. It's an eschatology of the soul. Uh, Peter yeah. is furnishing us with the building blocks for the kind of future God wants us to inhabit. Because yeah. day by day, we are making a conscious decision to develop or diminish our soul. And that is in some mysterious way going to influence what we carry with us into eternity. It's why Jesus so often spoke of talents and rewards mm. and investing in eternal things because this very moment and for as many moments as you have remaining on this earth you are constructing your soul's identity yeah. um, and that's that's an exciting thought it's it's uh, it's also a scary thought and this is why uh we need to understand our soul is a gift from god we're called to tend it well mm. and when our soul is broken exhausted languishing the spirit of god invites us to return to the only one who can return our breath to us who can turn our languish into longing
1: yeah yeah and that's the so much of the beautiful hope we're involved and we have responsibility in this journey but it's not a burden that falls on us alone that's Mm -hmm. part of the beautiful story of the gospel is god comes in to intervene and say yeah you know what you're not doing a good job i'm gonna join it and not just join in in a minor way but if i need to grab a hold of you and like give you a hug or kick up the backside or anything in between i will you know (laughs) so like god god wants to be involved in the journey which is yeah breathe so much hope i want i want to just we need to not now talk for 45 minutes about this, but just what you're saying made me think, okay, let's have a theology nerd moment. So this <laughs> idea of like growth and, and preparation for what God have for, has for us, there's mm-hmm. a really interesting question in there of, you know, do we continue to grow forever? Does mm-hmm. our flourishing continue to expand in heaven? Because there's a there's a lot of Christian tradition more mm-hmm. modern christian tradition it has to be said that's like no like you get to heaven and then everything's perfect and it's kind of static but then there's a lot of theologians that it you know it, in quite a multitude of ways which we can't get into believe that no actually like the the the, the idea of being on a journey of becoming mm-hmm. is something that will continue even in god's presence So I'm just interested, you must have thought about this in the midst of thinking about all of these things, right?
2: Oh, I love love that
1: question. That's,
2: wow. Um, I mean, this, you know, you can go back to Irenaeus and his whole idea of the soul becoming, which he actually uses a theodicy, interestingly enough. Um, Will there come a point where we say, ah, that's it. You know, I've arrived. And I think (laughs) one can galvanize verses on either side of the debate. I personally am intrigued with the notion of, of becoming, of learning, of growing. Because when you think about it, there never will be a moment when we've become omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, right, by yeah. definition, God. Uh, there's never gonna be that moment where you said, ah, I've arrived. If God is eternal, then there are infinite aspects of him to discover. Yeah. So what if eternity then is the continued journey? It could explain, by the way, why there's one of the prevailing metaphors and ways of describing heaven in the Bible is worship. Because what is worship? It's awe. It's amazement. It's the sense of wow. <laughs> yeah. So as we're there in the presence of the Lord, learning, growing, understanding him, we that then naturally leads to to worship. Um and to me, that's an exciting notion. Um, and by heaven, I mean what God is going to do in restro- restoring, renewing, healing all of creation. Um, th- this world, the old things pass away, all things made new. Um, I, I, I can't imagine an eternity of stasis, yes. <laughs> of non becoming. Uh, yeah. I envision one of, of eternal growth and wonder.
1: Yeah, I think theodicy actually requires it, but arguing that is more than we have time yeah. for today. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I always go to, um, I, I think a reflex people have is, oh, sin's defeated, so there won't be a need for growth. But then I would point to Jesus didn't have any sin, and yet mm-hmm. he grew in grace and knowledge with God and men. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus emptied Himself, like Philippians two said. He, but he, he, he didn't sin. That you know, and yet uh, he was still able to grow in his relationship with God. So it's sort of mm-hmm. that's a very provoking observation the gospel writers make yeah. to kind of o- open the can of worms for us in a way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's I I don't know. I think it's good theology to think that we can grow. But mm-hmm. I guess the follow up question, because I'll, I'll say what I think, and then I'm interested whether you, you think similarly or not. The idea that we do continue to grow actually helps to normalize the need for the journey now. Mm. if it it was under a narrative of like oh what a bummer like i've got to wrestle with flourishing now i wish i could just die and it would all be over (laughs) but the the idea that the wrestling for flourishing the growing the change the transformation is actually a beautiful thing in heaven
2: Mm -hmm.
1: helps me understand that it could be beautiful now as well Mm -hmm. and i find that kind of inspiring
2: thought that is really inspiring because genesis god creates a garden eden delight Mm -hmm. that's what it literally means and there's a tree there's a tree in the garden the tree of life life by definition is evolving it's growing it's changing right if something isn't evolving growing and changing we have a word for that we call it death (laughs) so there's a tree of life in the middle well what do we see at the renewal of all things in the book of revelation It's the tree of life. It's a recreation in a sense of Eden in Revelation 21 and 22. Um, So I don't think that's accidental, that God's metaphor uh, for creation is a tree blossoming with life. Mm -hmm. And God's metaphor for new creation is a tree blossoming with life. It's why one could do a whole study on trees actually the bible project uh, oh it, the bible project's got a
1: great thing on that yeah
2: yeah and th- there boy you, the theology of trees there's a good phd program um but there is a lot there
1: It's yeah. how God, you wouldn't think there's as much there but there really is it's, like there's a good book to be written on this
2: the primary metaphor for f- the flourishing life in the bible is is yeah. a tree yeah and that goes from genesis all through revelation yeah and so to me, I, th- I I envision eternity as as a tree in a sense. It's it's growing, it's flourishing. It's there's fruit, there's beauty, there's learning, there's awareness, yeah. there's wonder. Um, yeah, and yeah. I am And it begins now, as you yeah. as you alluded to. Yeah. Eternity is it starts now in our relationship with God, in our growth. We're setting ourselves on a trajectory uh, of this. I mean, the you you know the Oxford uh, philosopher Richard Swinburne he uh, has a lot to say about this and how it ties yeah. into yeah. virtue and vices. And C.S. Lewis talked about this, too. Uh, yeah.
1: that
2: our, our soul is in the act of becoming uh, either more hellish or more heavenly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it all, you know, it all relates back to the book you've written again. You know, you could have maybe called your book How to Understand Your Treeness. You know, <laughs> the trouble is that would have made no sense as a title unless they'd listened to right. this whole conversation.
2: i put it i put a tree on the cover of the book
1: that's okay. uh, there that's you good. go that's good <laughs> well i think that's enough for today so you're doing well people should check yes. out the book and then uh, and the book you can pre-order it it's out in a couple of weeks uh so mm-hmm. it's not far away and then what's it going to be month and a half till you're in portland so people will be able to see you soon and read the book and tell you what they thought of it.
2: Yes. And And I can bring it along and get it signed or something.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for the conversation, Don. We look forward to seeing you. Thank
2: you,
0: Richard. God bless everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by Jesus Church College based at Westside Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.